Okay, why don't you open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Uh, we're going to be talking about the golden rule this morning. So let's go ahead and just jump straight into it. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Now, uh, Jesus, he's very concerned about our testimony as Christians, meaning how we live our lives. And in John chapter 13, Jesus says that, you know, the world will know you not by your beliefs, not by your, um, your church attendance, but the world will know you by your love, specifically your love for me and your love for one another. Four chapters later in John chapter 17 in Jesus' high priestly prayer, he says, I pray for those, my disciples right now, but I also pray for those in the future, meaning you and me, 2,000 years later, participating in the kingdom of God, that we would be as one, that they would be unified just as the Father and the Son are one, that we would be one. Yet studies show that in the eyes of non-Christians, we're known for how deeply, not we love one another, but we uh, judge one another. There's an article in the Barna uh, group uh, entitled Christians, more like Jesus or more like Pharisees. In the research for the book project, um, they cited that 84% 84% of young non-Christians say that they know a Christian personally, but only 15% say that their lifestyles of those believers are noticeably different in a good way. So we're out there, but we're just not living the kingdom of God. And this is what Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, chapter 5 and chapter through 7 is all about. It's about ethics in the kingdom of God that this uh, Sermon on the Mount is the longest uninterrupted uh, recorded teaching of Jesus that Matthew, the tax collector, was able to meticulously write down in the whole Bible. It's, it's this long series of Jesus' teaching, and it has to do with what does it look like to live under the reign of Jesus? How does the economy of God or the way that God works or ethics in the kingdom what does it look like for Christ followers? And today, uh, we're going to be talking about the golden rule. And uh, do you guys know where the golden rule comes from? It comes from Emperor Alexander Severus, who reportedly or reputably wrote it on his wall of gold, which is what? Do unto others as you would have them do to you. And Jesus says, and the law, okay, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the law, the Torah, and the what? Hanabim, the prophets, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, the major, the minor prophets, that the Old Testament, pretty much as we understand it, it's summed up in doing unto others as you would have them do 
unto you. So the golden rule, it basically summarizes the essence of God's will for his people in the Old Testament and now for Jesus' disciples. Because after this, after this last ethic on how we should treat one another, man, Jesus goes for the jugular and just gives like, man, either you're with me or you're against me. You're going to take the narrow road or the narrow gate. You're going to build your house on obedience. You know, are you you're going to follow false teachers or true teachers? And he lays down and he draws the line in his authority. So before he like gives his final things like, hey, this is how we treat one another. This is how to relate to one another. And it's a basis for personal and community life. And you guys know that relationships are so important. And I could even argue that relationships are eternal. We may not, we cannot take anything into the next life, right? The Egyptians proved that. But we can take and we can have relationships in heaven. And life is so complex. You have to deal with different personalities, different enneagrams, different types of people, you, different demeanors, different bents, different backgrounds, different upbringings, different personalities. And the, what the golden rule does is it answers the question like of all these different relationship dynamics that we have to encounter, whether to love someone, um, whether to forgive someone, to help someone out, to serve someone, to correct someone, um, whatever it is, it could be answered in this question, man, what is the right thing to do? The right thing to do is think of the way that you would like to be treated and use that as a guideline of how you would treat others. And here's the main point this morning. Would you just write this down? The golden rule is God's design for righteousness or living in the kingdom and fill this in, in personal, in your own personal life and community life and how we relate to each other between husbands and wives, between children and parents, between neighbors, between um, co-ministers of the gospel, between co-workers, between um, citizens of the United States, like that the golden rule, this is God's design. Think, imagine how you want to be treated and use that as a guideline or a framework of how you want to treat others. And because oftentimes we have this dichotomy between others and us, right? When other people take a long time to do something, man, they're so slow. But when we take a long time, we're thorough and we're being prudent. When others, when they don't do something, man, they're lazy. But when we don't do something and we miss the mark, it's like, oh, we're just so busy. We have too much stuff on our plates. When others make mistakes, man, that's, that's who they are. But when we mistake, it's, oh, oh, that's an aberration. That's an anomaly. That's what I do sometimes. When, they, when others succeed, oh, they're just lucky. You know, even a broken clock is, is right twice a day. But when we succeed in life, it's because we deserve it. It's because of our hard work. You see here, 
the, the golden rule has to do with putting yourself in someone else's shoes and placing yourself there. And it's like, man, how do I want to be treated? And that's how I'm going to treat others. So I have two main points this morning regarding the golden rule. Number one, would you write this down? Imagine yourself in other people's shoes. Pretty straightforward, right? This is the plain teaching of God's word. Jesus says, and whatever you want others to do to you. So imagine yourself in other people's shoes. Uh, J.R.W. Scott, the English scholar uh, who wrote a commentary on the Sermon on the Mount says, it is a remarkably flexible ethical principle. All we have to do is use our imagination, put ourselves in other people's shoes and ask, how would I like to be treated in this situation? Theologian J.C. Ryle says, it settles a hundred difficult points. It prevents the necessity of laying down endless little rules for our conduct in specific cases. That if we are able to put and imagine ourselves in other people's shoes, right? And it's like, man, that's how I want to be treated. That's how I'm going to treat others. Then Jesus says, man, this is the law. This is the prophet's the summation, the totality, and the heart of God's design of how we treat one another. If we just do that, this is the golden rule. You know, I don't remember many things during high school. It's like, a, a, you know, a, just been a blur. And graduated in 1998, ooh, 22 years ago, right? I just celebrated my 41st birthday uh, a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, as I was preparing for this message, uh, it reminds me of Atticus Finch in To Kill a Mockingbird. You remember the quote? That you never really understand a person until you consider things from his point of view. Until you climb into his skin and walk around in it. Imagine yourself in other people's shoes. Now, this has never happened. It's a theoretical thing. But suppose you have uh, uh, teenage boys uh, who are in your house and you tell them, hey, uh, before you can go out with your friends, you make sure that you clean your room, okay? And then you come home for, after a long day's work. You see them skating around and hanging out with their friends. And you notice that the room isn't cleaned, that is still a mess, the bed hasn't been made. Golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do to you. So imagine yourself as a 13, 14 year old teenage self, emotionally insecure, trying to impress your friends and trying to be, you know, cool and trying to gain acceptance. And imagine if your dad just went off like, hey, tell your friends to go home. I told you never to do that. I told you. You know what? You're grounded. And putting them down and emasculating them and embarrassing them in front of their friends. But I wouldn't want that. You know, just put yourself in that situation. 
true story, I kid you not, no exaggeration. When I was hanging out uh, in junior high at my friend's house, um, my friend had an older sister and uh, my friend's dad was a security guard and the older sister um, was a, a little bit older, you know, a couple years older, about four years older than us, um, had, you know, um, boys in the house, in the home and, you know, he, the dad was not too happy about it. And here I was, 13 years old, four, yeah, 12, 13 years old, eating cereal with my friends, just hanging out, playing video games. And then there's about, you know, I think four or five guys just hanging out, and um, the dad was not happy. And he was a little bit older, and he went around, and he came out with a 9mm, pointed it at the older high schoolers. I was still in junior high. It's like, you, get out, get out of my house. And I'm like, everybody just took off. And I was eating cereal. He goes, you. I'm like, oh, he's pointed at me. <laughs> no, you can stay. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, and I remember that time. And, you know, I see my kids, even though they disobeyed me and they probably forgot about it. They probably didn't, didn't do it intentionally. You know, First Corinthians 13, love believes in all things. Not that we're gullible, but we believe in the best in those that we love, whether it's our children, our spouse, our friends. We look to the best. And I put myself there. I was like, man, I don't, I, I don't want to be that type of, you know, uncle, that type of dad. And uh, even a couple weeks ago for Father's Day, uh, staying up late, waking up early, and it's supposed to be my day to sleep in and go to church and, you know, have Starbucks coffee and hashtag treat myself, treat yourself. But my kids like, hey, could we go with our friends to, to the skate park? We just got new skateboards and a scooter. And so, you know, I took him, uh, my kids and, and their friends. I was like, hey, do you guys want 7-Eleven afterwards, took them to, no, we didn't go 7-Eleven, we went to Jamba Juice afterwards, got the kids Jamba Juice. Like, put yourself in other people's shoes, crawl into their skin, then you would understand how you want to be treated. Use your imagination, J.R.W. Stott says. Imagine yourself as an all of a sudden homeschooling mom. You know, all you dads, all you husbands, imagine yourself first time doing homeschooling and, you know, maybe the house is not as clean or as tidy as you want it to be and dinner hasn't been made and you've been working hard. Put yourself in your wife's skin and how she, what she had to deal with and what her new normal is and act with grace that I want to be treated with grace. I want to be treated with kindness. I don't want to be treat, treated with judgment. It's like, okay, babe, it's all right. Don't worry about it. Let's just go grab uh, lunch. You know, let's just go drive, or let's go to the new Raising Cane's and, and get taste the new chicken over there at Hawaii Kai Town Center, right? That, that there's grace. In, put yourself, imagine yourself as a kupuna with health issues. And there are perfectly healthy young people walking around with no mask. For goodness sake, golden rule, 
Put your mask, wear your mask in public during this time. Imagine yourself, you know, if we all have our political views and COVID-19, but man, there's no need to unfriend someone because, you know, they, have, they support Donald Trump or they have a MAGA hat, or if you don't need to unfriend someone because you know, they have a Black Lives Matter or whatever the political agenda. I want to be treated with respect. I want you to listen to me. Hear me first before you speak into it and unfriend me or publicly shame me. See, put yourself Imagine yourself in other people's shoes. Paul in Philippians chapter 2 says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Think of the interest of others. Put yourselves in their situation. Put yourself in their skin, what they're going through. Just imagine, Holy Spirit, give me that holy, give me that insight, that divine insight of what it would be to be like them. And, and the way that they want to be treated, that is how I'm going to treat them. The world will know that you guys are my followers of how much you love one another. I encourage you, uh, read through 1 Corinthians 13 this week. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love hopes all things. Love believes all things. Love perseveres all things. Love endures all things. It bears all things. And the way that you want to be treated, that's how we treat one another. Amen? On the chat box, amen. All right, praying emoji, hands up emoji. All right, number two, would you write this down? Take positive action. Take positive action. You know, the golden rule, this idea of doing to others as you would have them do unto you, it's not a new thing. It's a pretty universal um, principle all across religions from Hinduism to Confucianism to Taoism to um, uh, Scientology, every aspect, there's this general principle of, of, of trying to be kind to a, a, another, the, this sense of reciprocity that, hey, do unto others as you would have them do to you. But there's a big difference because all of these have a negative aspect or a passive aspect. But Jesus has a positive action towards it. The Talmud of Judaism says, what is hateful to you, do not to your fellow men. Brahmanism says, do not unto others, which would cause you pain if done to you. Buddhism says, hurt not others in ways that you yourself find hurtful. Confucianism says, do not unto others that you would not have them do unto you. But Christ positive, the kingdom of God, his commandment, it's positive. It says, do unto others as you would have them do to you. There's a significant difference of this intentional positive action. 
what we don't want others to do to us, we shouldn't do unto them. If that's all that's required, it just basically means don't hurt or harm or injure people. But that's not a bad rule. And the difference in these former rules of conduct and the Jesus golden rule is dramatic. Do you guys remember in Luke chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan, where it was applied positively? There was a traveler traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was mugged. He was beaten. He was stripped. He was left for dead in a pool of his own blood beside the road to die. Two men came beside him, a Levite and a priest, two different, you know, like pastors. They came by and saw him, but went about their business. They practiced the silver rule. They did not do to this man any evil, but they didn't help him out either. If we were the victims in this story, we would want someone to help us, to bandage us, to lift us up and carry us into their donkey, bring us to an inn, have someone spot us and pay for us and give unto us as long as we need to recover and be in full health. James chapter 2 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? You have belief, but no actions. Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If any of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? See, it's not enough that we Consider others, Philippians 2 says, more important to themselves than ourselves. It's not enough that we just imagine and we put ourselves in their skin and crawl ourselves into their skin and walk around in their shoes. But we must actually intentionally put action in our intentions. That as we put ourselves into other people's um, positions, in their slippers, as it were, that, man, here, I'll, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to be gracious to you. I'm going to withhold. I'm going to show you mercy. And this is what will lead others to Christ, is that when we love one another, amen, the world will know that you are my disciples and the world will believe in me that you are my disciples when you love one another. As we come to a close, let me ratchet this back to the gospel. You see, Jesus just didn't imagine. He just didn't look down from heaven, look at us and it's like, oh, poor, poor people. There's suffering, there's sickness, there's death. Oh, there's people are experiencing hunger and pain and betrayal. Oh, that's too bad for them. But God loves us so much 
that the creator of the universe, he took on skin, he took on bones so that he can identify with you and with me. Jesus, the perfect, holy God, became Lamb of God to take away your sins. Jesus paid the penalty of your sins. He lived a perfect life so that he could be this acceptable sacrifice for all of my sins, all the things that have offended God, the outrage of a holy God. He unleashed it on Jesus at the cross. And Jesus, if you're going through suffering this morning, whether it's financial, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, Jesus identifies with you. Jesus knows what it means to be betrayed. Jesus knows exactly what it means and he imagines with you to be abandoned by your friends. Jesus knows what it means to experience grief. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Why? Because of the, the passing of his good friend Lazarus. So all of this, God himself became man for you to pay your debt at the cross. But the good news is that Jesus did not remain in the tomb. Three days later, he resurrected so that you and I can have victory in the life to come. God loves you so much that he did not wait for you to die to experience heaven or the kingdom of God. God loves you so much, he brought the kingdom of heaven down here now so that you and I can live out as the people of God under the reign of Jesus, righteousness, peace in the Holy Spirit so that we would experience fulfillment, contentment, purpose in this life that prepares for the life to come. And if you want to receive Jesus right now, um, I'll give you a moment in the chat box right now. It's going to say, yes, I want to receive Christ. And that's you this morning. And you want to receive Jesus into your life. Or maybe if you want to even recommit, would you repeat after me? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving your son for me. Jesus, come into my life. Would you be my savior? Save me from the penalty of sin. Save me from the power of sin. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Make me new. Change my desires. Give me strength so I could live as a follower of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And Lord, I just pray right now, uh, God, for those of us, um, maybe some of us um, are replaying the tape where uh, we've been offended, we've been hurt by people that we love. Um, Maybe we've been judged 
by those who've been closest to us. And I just pray, Father, for your healing to be upon your people this morning. Thank you, O Lord God, that there is a newness of life in you, Jesus. Lord, would you be our portion? Would you be our strength, O God, that you would be with us every step of the way, Lord, that in our weakness, your grace would be made perfect. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys. Well, love you so much. Don't forget, if you have home church, go through and, uh, yeah, pray for one another. Uh, go through the discussion questions. Um, yeah, and talk about um, the golden rule. Well, love you guys. Take care. God bless you.